With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Franny Benali. This is Klaus Lundekvam. I'm Matt Letizia. Dean Hammond here. And you're listening to In That Number. Here is Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. James Beattie, oh, Belter! That ain't been a hat trick! That's an unbelievable hat trick for Sadio Mane! Shane Long takes Southampton to Wembley! Graziano Pelle with a left foot strike! Walk past Nipsey, and he's got it in as well! And Danny Ings has done it again! Thanks for checking out In That Number with me, Kevin, the Moscow Mush Milverton, and Ray Hunt. Find me on Twitter at Moscow Mush and my co-host Ray Hunt at Ray Hunt 84 Follow the show at Number Podcasts on Twitter, In That Number Podcasts on Instagram and Facebook. If you've got any questions for the show, if you can be bothered, send us an email to InThatNumberPodcast at gmail.com. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever it is you get your podcasts. Share, subscribe, and give us good vibes. Let's go. Welcome to another episode of In That Number. This is episode 155. Kevin, what title are we going with? It's Prowse MD, MD. Master of Dead Ball. Master of Dead Ball, yes. Excellent. Um, so today we have both our away trips uh, from this past week. We travelled to Turf Moor on Thursday night with a dull, lifeless display 
uh, and then the short trip up the coast to Brighton for Sunday's showdown. We also have the preview of next week's return to St. Mary's against Crystal Palace. Uh, with me today to discuss this roller coaster of a week, we have the Moscow Mush, Kevin Milverton, and Tim Bazant. Kevin, I'll, I'll start with you. How are you? Um, I'm all right. Yeah. Good. I'm here, aren't I? <laughs> what have you been up to this week? Not much, really. Um, did a little bit of work, and um, also managed to take in the uh, the Brighton game with none other than yourself. Yes, we did. And how was the theatre last night? It was good, yeah. Um, I saw Stuart Lee. It was uh, hilarious. I'm Got sure there. that I've alienated some segment of our listenership by saying that I'm a fan of his, but oh well, <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah, and you got there on time. Yeah, yeah, it was fine, actually. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks to none other than you again. So thank you for <laughs> dropping me off there. I feel like the Shane Long of the podcast. I'm, I'm, I'm here through through loyalty, and uh, no one, no one's entirely sure what I'm doing here. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> you are this show, Kevin. Um, I'm back uh, for another contract. Yeah, uh, and Tim, um, welcome back. And I just want to say thank you for for the early start this morning because it's like what is it quarter to five in the morning over there or quarter to six? Oh, <clears throat> quarter to six here on the east coast. So uh, got to start the day off early and. Got to be able to squeeze everything in when it comes to a 8 a.m. start in the morning. Yeah, quarter to six, and you've got to get up and talk about that bright, uh, that Burnley display. So, uh, yeah, I had a well, Brighton game as well. Well, uh, yeah, <laughs> but that wasn't so bad. I mean, you can, there are some pluses in that game. But, yeah, the uh, yeah, just, yeah. But thank you. Thank you for coming. Anyway, how's your week been? Uh, productive. Uh, got a lot done. And just closing in. I'll be there in a few weeks now. So really looking forward to it, and it's gonna be a lot of it's gonna be a good time. And still no date for that Liverpool game. Uh, no, unfortunately, and that's kind of uh, making me a little anxious. Since fortunately, all of my itinerary was built around this, so I have to blow up my itinerary three weeks prior to go for an entire week in the UK ahead of, ahead of it. Sucks, sucks. Um, anyway, Mush, I'll start with you. Um, Initial thoughts on these two fixtures then. One dreadful performance uh, we, we kind of want to forget about. One point with a comeback uh, and another masterclass from James Ward-Prowse. Yeah, I'd say it was more one and a half games that we want to forget about. That first half, I mean, right up until the um, additional minutes of the first first half, it wasn't a particularly enjoyable experience um, on the pitch, I'd say. Um off, off the pitch, it was a decent away day, but um, yeah, a, a week. I don't know about a week to forget, but um, you know, we talked up one extra point that will keep us floating about mid-table. Um, but that, yeah, that all-important race for ninth, eh? <laughs> yeah, I don't think we're in the race for ninth. We'll be in the race for thirteenth by the end yeah. of the season. Well, as long as it isn't uh, the relegation scrap, that's all we want to hear think about. We're tonight. safely out of that, barring an absolute nosedive. Yeah, yeah, of course. And Tim, how did you see the the two games as a whole? Well, uh, I didn't see much of the first game, fortunately. Uh, I didn't get to soak it all in. I was working heavily. It's two forty-five in the afternoon when the kick when kickoff was, so I uh, didn't just had it on the background. Was able to uh, try to enjoy it, but 
Uh, I didn't let it, I didn't let it get to me because work was getting to me at that point in time. Um, I saw the opportunity and, uh, my, we'll go over predictions is I predicted that Burntley was going to come out and hit it hard because, well, one, the new manager bounce, but two is they're fighting for their life. And if there's one thing that Burnley know what to do is they know how to get into a scrap. Uh, so to me, uh, I was a little scared, uh, a little, uh, a little unnervy, but I think, that the whole we kind of are settling in and being and just kind of feeling like we're okay and safe did not push us where we needed to go. And it's not a it's not necessarily a good thing that they're it's it's good that we know we're safe. Just there's less than less than less than one percent chance that we're gonna get relegated right now according to five thirty eight odds. Um but to me uh it was lethargic, it was garbage and uh, we just didn't feel like we were trying there, and I don't, I don't, I'm not a fan of that, and I don't want to deal with that uh, continually for the rest of the season. But that's it. And I will say though, is if this that loss to Burnley allows Everton to be relegated, I'm, I'll allow it. <laughs> we are, and we are did our part to help Everton get relegated because Everton as a club, if they get relegated, between the money that they've spent, everything else that goes into it, they are they are screwed. They are legitimately, they'll be reading level of when it comes to finances and issues going forward. It'll be that bad. Poor Everton. Not not De- not Derby level, not Derby County level, mm-hmm. but Reading, which had to get deducted six points for the season as well back in the in the uh, the EFL. Yes, and that title of our episode a few back, killing Everton, could be a lot more. Um, yeah, what's the word? Prophetic than we imagined. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> This is ITN in that number news. ITN news then. I'm, I want to start with the bad news then, the, the injury to Tino. Oh, goodness me. It doesn't look good, does it, Kevin? And, you know, we, we've heard from Ralph since and we, we've all seen it. And you knew instantly that something, you know, that it was bad. Something was going to happen. You know, the, they came on, uh, you know, instantly. You know, you know, if you go down with no contact, then you're, you know, and you're in instant pain, then you know it's bad, and you, you can see he needed he needed the oxygen and stuff. So yeah, it's just um awful, awful news. And and I mean, to to, to quote what Ralph said, um, I cannot tell you what is the diagnosis, but it looks very, very serious. We do not know it yet. He's very down, the guy, uh, but we all know he will be back even stronger. Absolutely, he was very frustrated, and he could feel that this was a more serious injury. So for next weekend, he is out. Next weekend, Jesus Christ! I think you know next month. You know the rest of the season. That's yeah, it, really, that's isn't done. It? And they're, they're they're reporting it could be an ACL tear. But yeah, it was uh, it was horrible, wasn't it, Kev? It just yeah, yeah. I don't know. I thought it was his knee. You know, it's it's it took a little little twist and um, instantly. Um, Brighton fans thrown in the Wankerstein sign, despite that um, he was waving on for the medics. Um, <laughs> thought that was a nice touch from the otherwise quiet home support. Um, yeah. But yeah, Teller looked like he was going to throw up um, from his reaction to it. So um, yeah, I think everyone, apart from the Brighton fans, could tell that it was it was pretty damn serious. Yeah, I mean, but to be fair to the Brighton fans, afterwards, after they realised that it was serious, they did clap him off the field as well, so yeah. Yeah. 
the uh, it's a shame because you know brilliant debut season to finish like that. It's got to be heartbreaking, of course. But uh, hey, well, yeah, like Ralph said, he's going to come back stronger. Yes, uh, and Tim, what did you think of it? So the reason Tella probably saw and felt that way is uh, when an, an ACL tear, if you just quick, uh, just a quick idea is there's four ligaments within the knee. There's the ACL and the MCL. So if you crossed your fingers over top each other, the ACL is the one that is the over top when it comes right in the center of the knee behind the kneecap. And then you've got the LCL and the PCL on either side. So the ACL is the bearer of the largest amount of pressure within the, within the knee. And so when you feel that type of snap, what, what ends up happening is, is um, the knee is probably looking like jello. Uh, it's not necessarily Shit. the way it's set up. So there's a visual discomfort there based on, uh, and each knee, each knee injury is going to look a little bit different based on any, uh, amount of re- residuals. So you could have meniscus injuries. You could have other type of, uh, ligament tears you can have uh you can have distortion within the patella so the kneecap itself um overall we don't really know uh and once we get the injury uh report back from them uh i want to think you know sometimes it might be something like tello who had an injury uh previous injuries before where it might take uh at a minimum of four or five months and we might see them in the mid-fall and but I don't want to catastrophize and go all the way to Sam McQueen, which is the absolute worst part of it all. Yeah, that, he had that was age. infections. And, and, uh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, they had to redo the surgery twice, and then the consistency of the the meniscus and the recovery process it a lot it forced him to re, uh, to retire because of it. Um, so so he was in. So the reason they put oxygen on him is. Uh, because of the catastrophic, um, the heart rate and they wanted to number one, uh, slow his heart rate down because when you're in shock, uh, which is what he was, uh, they wanted to be able to get him into a, a comfort zone in the feeling around everything because he just went through a traumatic, uh, traumatic and then they put him, they put him directly into an air cast, which, which is that item where you see contraption around the actual, uh, the leg. And they blow it up so that it puts it into a situation where it's completely float, the leg is floating. So it removes any type of pain movement because if you just move your leg one way or the other, it's gonna, it would, it's gonna hurt and hurt drastically. So you remove, you by putting it in the air cast, it effectively just allows it to be in position. Uh, so they're going to see what's going to happen. It takes about 24 to 36 hours to get past the initial swelling to allow for the MRI to view the injury. And then as much as you can see from an MRI, they won't know the full extent of it to when he can get into surgery. Uh, the, the, what we're looking for is we want him to get into surgery quicker rather than later because that means the swelling isn't as large based on the the size of the injury. Uh, if you happen to have multiple ligaments alongside meniscus issues, patella, um, you could, you know, the swelling could be up to two or three weeks where if he was able to get into surgery later this calendar week, uh, I would feel a lot more confident and see how things go. Being 19 years old, 20 years old, uh, the body's going to recover. It's going to recover well, but, 
Uh, you just don't know. Today's day and age, you know, getting the cadaver uh, ACL, if it's just one singular uh, ligament, that's ideal. Whereas two, three meniscus, um, you're going to see potential issues when it comes to full-fledged activity later on. And his drive, his push going forward is his one of his highest qualities. So I'm going to be curious to see his long, the long-term effects of it, not to scare everybody who's listening in, in you two. Well, but, yeah, you, you've but, just done that, so yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm, I'm talking about the concerns not yeah. only in the short but the long-term. And if we see him, and today is April 25th, if we see him in in October, I think that's a win. If we don't see him until the springtime, uh, that's more a little bit more realistic. But then Will Will uh, Will Smallbone, who had an ACL, it took him up to a it was eleven months for his recovery. Yeah. So that's um that's it's all bad. Of, that's a. Uh, that's the prognosis. That's the idea going forward. And let's take a look and hope that everything will go right for him. And if there's anything, there's any solace in the situation is that nobody's going to come after him this summer and we'll, we'll have him for a long term. And hopefully he can get back to 100% by the end of the, uh, by the end of the, the 22, 23 season. He'll be a part of, uh, part of the team and, uh, we'll, we'll love to have him and welcome back as soon as he can. And, uh, Kyle Walker Peters and Perot are going to be our starting fullbacks going forward. Yeah. And yeah, just, um, just wishing the, the, you know, the best recovery could possibly have. And yeah, hope to see him back as soon as, soon as we can. Yeah. I'll join you in those wishes of a, a speedy recovery and, uh, yeah, successful season next season. Yes. Yeah. Hopefully we'll get to see him in, in the preseason. We'll get him yeah. back up to full fitness. Hopefully. Hopefully so. Um, Guys, uh, a tweet was brought to my attention from a Middlesbrough fan named um, named Alex. Um, it was posted on Instagram by Saints News Now, um, and it had quite some traction. So I'd like to hear what you guys, you know, have to say on it. Um, so here it is, Kev. Uh, Southampton fully must be the worst team in the Premier League to support. Every away game is miles away. Stop trying after guaranteeing safety. And there's one or two absolute batterings every season. I mean, this is what he has said. Uh, Brighton's not far away, is it? <laughs> Bournemouth back up next year, probably, because they're guaranteed the playoffs now. Um, yeah, we, we, any London we, clubs. Yeah, well, we can't help it if our nearest rivals are so fucking shit. But then I also think about Norwich, you know, they're miles away from civilization, let alone a Premier League round. <laughs> and they get battered every single week and they're going down. So what, you know, that's my thought on it anyway. But yeah, what, what do you think about that, Kev? I, I think that in each category, there's somebody worse off than us. Newcastle fans probably have to travel more than anyone else. Um, I mean, there's a lot of clubs up in the north, but um, there's a lot of London clubs too. Um, and it's much closer for us. And we've got easier connections across the country. Um, getting battered every season. I mean, we're starting to take them for granted, aren't we? I mean, we've got that six <laughs> nil. Hopefully, that will be um, the worst result of the season. Um, and yeah, other, other fixtures that we. Well, there's only really four left, so I hope there's not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we kind of take that. I mean, as long as we're in the Premier League, um, don't, I don't think it really matters, does it? I mean, there's only 20 clubs in, in the country that are in the Premier League out of, you know, potentially 100, say, um, 
professional, semi-professional clubs with some support. I think we're very lucky to live in a, a city that's got one strong club that plays in the Premiership each season. It's a privilege, I think. Yeah. Even yeah. if we do switch off towards the end of the season, which, which is a valid observation. Yeah, that's, that's, that's true. Uh, Tim, any thoughts on that? I recognise where he's coming from and may understand it on a, when it comes to the... Uh, the play issue. So we have three quality months of the year, uh, and doing that allows us to keep into safety. We're at 40 points right now. Last year we were at 43. Um, good chance we can get to that 43 mark. Maybe if we can beat Palace, uh, who knows? But to me, and this is something that you're, you two are going to be able to answer better than I can is the, I don't feel that the London trips would be that much of an issue compared to say, um, Newcastle going to the larger grounds. Uh, pulling up the map just right now, taking a look. Newcastle and Middle, even Middlesbrough. So I don't know what he's talking about. Yeah. And the ease of connection thinking, there. Yeah. So getting to the London clubs and say just for example, I mean, Fulham's going up. If Bournemouth is going, uh, is going up and then, uh, you might get any of the clubs in the, in the north, but I would say it's easier for us to get to place like Birmingham or Leicester or even Nottingham uh, over Middlesbrough or Newcastle getting to those places. So I don't think the travel is an issue. Um, it maybe feels like he's ice, we're isolated down on the south coast. Uh, and then who knows? <laughs> we might be a 10-pot league where you'll have 10 of the clubs from uh, the Premier League in the capital. Because right now you're looking at Chelsea, Arsenal, Tottenham, Man United, who all of their fans are actually in London, but not, it's not actually, it's in Manchester. You've got West Ham, uh, you've got Brighton, which is down the road from us, Brentford, Crystal Palace, uh, and then Watford, which is not that bad of a, ultimately is not that bad of a trip. Yeah, you might have two connection, uh, two connections to get there. Um, but still way better from Middles, that Middlesbrough or Newcastle to Watford than it is from us to get there. Yeah. And no matter how bad things get for Saints, we're still better than Middlesbrough. And imagine, imagine being a, a, a Pompey fan, seriously, and not being able to get out of League One every season. Like that's, <laughs> sure, that's surely got to be a much more enjoyable experience, right? <laughs> and they're stuck there again next season, so yeah. Yeah, where they belong. <laughs> Absolutely. They love it there. They love they it. They must do. Um, Kev, we've discussed this, this uh, run-in on the show before when you weren't here, so um, I want to talk to you about it. So, um. Yeah, give it to me. Don't hold back. Palace at home, Brentford away, Leicester away, Liverpool at home. How about that? Are we going to pick up any points? <laughs> 13 points. <laughs> you know there's only 12 up for grabs, right? That's my prediction, and I'm sticking by it. Um, what was it? Palace, Leicester, Liverpool, and who have I missed? Uh, Palace, Brentford away, Leicester away. Brentford away. Mm. Two away, two home. You know, we get four points out of that. Probably be what you'd expect. I think five or six would be um, would be brilliant. I think anything more than that would just be um, amazing. Yes. I'm go four points. If you're asking me for prediction, I'm going to say four points. Err on the side of cynicism slightly. Okay. Well, well I'll take that. Um, <clears throat> Simeu, he's at it again for, for Carlisle. He, he's, <laughs> he's never not, is he? No, he's, he, last Monday saw Carlisle. They, they won one nil over Mansfield, but he picked up another yellow card. Um, and then Saturday they were thumped 3-0 at Harrogate. Uh, he was subbed off on the 50th minute, by the way, probably just to avoid another yellow card. But, yeah, 
You didn't pick one up there, but yes. Uh, the B team, uh, they play tonight, uh, Monday the 25th of April at Newcastle. That's a 7 p.m. kickoff, and that is at St. James's Park. Um, and Dave Horseman has hinted, sorry, Bojack Horseman has hinted at a, a very youthful squad here as he's looking at next season already. Um, yes, and the women, wow, I mean, what can we say about this side? They're just fantastic. Fantastic week. Uh, started off with a game at St. Mary's in, in front of a record crowd. Uh, a 2-0 win. Goals from Sophia Farah and Lucia Kendall. Um, so at St. Mary's against them lot. And it clinched them the title. I mean, does it get any better than that? If you could write a scenario for them to clinch it, it would have, you know, it would have been that. It was a fantastic game and, and just great support. So, yeah, excellent from them. You went to that match as well, didn't you? I did go to that match. Yeah, it was, it was great. And we, uh, we got to see the trophy up close and... Yeah, meet some of the some of the players. So yeah, it was it was a really good really good night. Um, and then you know their week wasn't over. Yesterday, uh, Sunday, Sunday the 24th, National League Cup final against Huddersfield Town, three nil winners. Goals from Alicia Ware and a brace from Lucia Kendall. Absolute superstars. You know, double two trophies. What a season! And and they're not finished yet because you know they're just a couple of league games left to to finish off. Um, of course, they're already champions, but, but nevertheless, they've got Oxford United there in town on Wednesday, and they just beat Ipswich yesterday in, at, at Ipswich, so that, you know, that's, that they're on a high right now. So they've got Wednesday at the Snows against Oxford, um, and then the last game in the league at home to Cardiff on Sunday before that all-important playoff game against Wolves. So, yeah, congrats to the whole team, uh, and good luck in those final three games. Massive week for them. Dean Hammond here. Thank you for tuning in to In That Number. Okay, so uh, here we are, Kev. Burnley, Turf Moor, not happy travels to Turf Moor. Never seems, never seems to be, does it? Always a difficult place to go, and our record suggests so. Uh, we did them at Turf Moor last season, actually, in a narrow 1-0 win, thanks to Danny Ings. Um, but we were held 2-2 at St Mary's, and haven't won back-to-back games at Turf Moor since 2006-07 in our championship days. Um, and, of course, Burnley without Sean Dyche at Turf Moor for the first time since 2012. Um, Michael Jackson moonwalking his way into Turf Moor. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, James Wood-Prowse actually made his 300th appearance for Saints. Um, and J-Rod, actually, good old J-Rod, making his 200th Burnley appearance over two spells. Kev, now, uh, unchanged from that home win against Arsenal. Now, that was very surprising, right, because... To me, it seems that, that Ralph was perhaps too scared to change a winning team and, and not take the bull by the horns and go for it. And, you know, we would pay the ultimate price. Yeah. Um, Shaman. Um, <laughs> it was a, a sham on the team sheet. I think five at the back against uh, Michael Jackson's Burnley. Um, it's ridiculous, really, isn't it? Yeah, it's not good. It's not good at all. I mean, uh, after that Arsenal game, we were saying there's no way that uh, Ralph is going to go the same. But he did. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, he just, it's off the wall. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it certainly wasn't a thriller. It was um, bad. <laughs> <laughs> Tough banter, right? Partridge style banter. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> we've hit the we've, we've hit the, the zenith. <laughs> the banters. Oh. But yeah, it, I mean, Kev, it must be hard to be a manager at times because you know you you play the system against Arsenal and it works. 
Okay, we, we, we had to defend well, you know, backs to the wall for most of the game. You just look at the possession and the shots against for that. But it worked, right? We got the three points. And Ralph thinks, okay, maybe here is a system that we can use to be stubborn. You know, you keep your shape and you, you know, you don't concede and we can snatch one. Moving forward, this could be our new identity. And as you put it to me, Kev, you know, it's got to, to work against Burnley too. You know, you've got to try and out Burnley Burnley, I think is what you said. Um, yeah, we but, didn't. <laughs> uh, but yeah, then it goes horribly wrong. And then you're back to the drawing board for the Brighton game. So that I mean, you can see where Ralph was thinking, right? Uh, no, no. I mean, surely, I mean, this is what managers are, um, are paid to do is to, to adapt the team to the opposition you're facing. I could understand it if we were playing, you know, Man City away next, but not not Burnley away. <clears throat> it's, it's 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 quite strange. I mean, uh, Lianco, Valerie, Bednarik, um, yeah, in, individually, um, haven't been brilliant of players. Well, I'm a bit harsh on Lianco, I suppose, but um, <clears throat> yeah, I don't see why you'd want to go for that back three rather than <clears throat> picking two and sticking to them. Um, Salisu out of the squad as. Um, you predicted, um, but yeah, I don't entirely see why. I mean, it's, it's, it can't be connected to Ramadan, surely. Uh, no, I just think it was his bad play, you know. And uh, bad, yeah, but they've it, all been having bad spells. But Lianco played well against Arsenal, so Lianco yeah. had to play. And I, I, I thought it was, for, for, you know, I know it was an, it was an evening game, and you, you know, Ramadan's not really a factor, but. His energy levels must have been zapped, nevertheless. Yeah, possibly, and maybe maybe saving him for the game against Brighton a little bit. But um, <clears throat> yeah. Anyway, I never liked Valerie as part of a back three. Um, I, I just I'm not sold on the concept. But yeah, I'd rather he just pick pick two and stuck with them. Yeah, well, we we just you know Burner, we just couldn't beat it. <laughs> I'm, I'm going yeah. to st- I'm going to stop now. Uh, it took just 12 minutes anyway for Burnley to to to, to score. Connor Roberts was uh, was given the freedom um, and and he lets rip. Um, yeah, it was a good strike, I suppose. Well, I, I suppose it was a good strike, and you know Burnley just kept going from there, didn't they? And they you know they they didn't want one. I guess that you know they they didn't do what Burnley normally do. You know that you get one, you park the bus, and that's it. But they they could sense that they could get another. They they could see that Saints were there for the taking. They weren't interested in parking the bus. And and it, if it wasn't for Fraser Forster at that point, he was making some some bloody good saves again. He had made a point-blank one from J-Rod. Yeah, smothered Weghorst's um, attack quite nicely um, before that as well. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a shame, really, because we, we looked to be the, the team to beat for the first 10 minutes or so. Um, and a few decent chances. I mean, the, the highlight, which probably would be... Uh, Romeo header that just went just wide. Um, yeah, that, a few yeah looking lately. back at that header, that was that was a golden opportunity, really, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. That um, was that was looking dangerous. <laughs> you said you'd stop. <laughs> that was an accident. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, once they got that going, it was a piece of um, magic, definitely. Um, That's Queen. From <laughs> I can't use any any metaphors <laughs> to describe them because they've been some song or other. But yeah, but a bit of magic from Connor Roberts to um, give them the lead, and we just collapsed completely. Yeah, why do you think that is, Tim? Why why do you think that? You know, they, they well, they started the game really well. We always start the games well, apart from Brighton. Um, and then they just, like, you know, you have your five shots or whatever in the first ten minutes, and then you go a goal down. Is it just a matter of you, heads down, that's it, heads on the beach from there? I felt, number one, the head heads weren't there. 
Number two is the Burnley had the drive because they are in a relegation fight. And that's the, emo- that's the emotional and the, and the psychological approach to it. Ultimately though, you saw that the 4-4-2 with, uh, Weghorst, um, being able to drive in and take, uh, what, it, what was Bednarik at the time. Um, and then Lianco, they were able to, he was able to match up against them super duper well. Valerie isn't a one-on-one matchup in a uh, very good matchup. He is with that right-sided center back. Um, he is basically the flow option. And while clearance and be able to uh, attack the person who might be right on the outside of the 18-yard yard box, uh, he's not going to be able to do that. So J-Rod was able to find the seams and work off of him to be able to work that. And, uh, and then from there, uh, allow the midfield and their outside, outside midfielders. So the center midfield, outside midfielders, and then even, uh, their fullbacks to get up and get forward. So keeping those items there, uh, a little bit of physicality, finding the right locations, and then the the psychological drive it's a combination for them to be successful and we just i won't say we collapsed but we weren't there no and you know Kev, they did double their lead and that was from a corner well, surprise surprise another header uh, this time it was um Nathan Collins leaping above the rest no team has conceded more goals from headers does that surprise you no i mean... We're, we're, we're pretty shocking off set pieces, aren't we? Um, Apart from when we're, when we're taking them. Fending set pieces is something that yeah. the moment you think we've learned how to do it, that, um, yeah, we start to switch off again and con- concede a goal like that. Um, yeah, Forster did his best to keep it out, um, obviously, but uh, it sent it straight back in, into danger. At that point, you think, how many can they score? Yeah, and that that goal was, was marred with controversy as well because Jack Cork was in an offside position and... Yeah. Apparently, you know, not interfering with play. Was he not obscuring Forster's view? No, I think it was because they thought he touched it as it was going in. Um, but, of course, the right. VAR checked and, and that was it. I, I've had right. my say on those decisions so many times in the past. And I just think you need to take that type of goal out of the game. And, you know, if anybody is in an offside position, then, you know, flag up. They're offside. It's, it's simple. Really? Yeah because, yeah, because then there's no need for that interference. There would have been no need... For, for VAR to even look at that. I think it's it's your responsibility as a player to get onside. If they're not interfering with play, what the fuck are they doing on the field? Just get out of the... You need to get onside. Everybody needs to get onside. It makes it so simple. Because then there's never that, like, oh, is he, got, is he in front of the goalkeeper there? Is he blocking his view? If he's offside, he's offside. It's simple. Uh, yeah, well, it has to be one way or the other. Yeah. Yeah, I can kind of... See that that you know that, that if you try and take out the uh, subjective element from it, it and make it black or white, like I don't know, for a while they did. If it touches the hand, it's a handball. Yeah. Point blank. Um, yeah, just make it more more black and, and white. Then you get into all these sort of body shape arguments and stuff like that. I exactly. Mean, it just opens a can of worms. It's, it's yeah, but you know, it, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Um, sure. On on that on that count. And I think, you know, something similar here. To be fair, I, I think we should just let that one go. I'm not really too bothered by it. I mean, if, if, if that's going to be the rules, then fair enough. But, um, yeah, if we were on the wrong side of it, then, then we've got a right to be, to be aggrieved. Mm. If we get a goal disallowed. And then, yeah, of course, they did have the ball in the back of the net again. And it was, it was just getting even more embarrassing. And 
but that was luckily we called back offside because and and yeah Forster not covering himself in in, in glory there for that one but yeah that wasn't wasn't, well, yeah. wasn't great or for the second second goal in fact um, yeah. successfully def- defending a, um, a, a corner quite well um, just to sort of ineptly stand by. Um, and yeah, I don't know, but I'm, I'm going to forgive phrase of that one because just the the number of brilliant saves that he's pulled off. Oh, um, absolutely, yeah. I mean, you know what? What are our memories of, of McCarthy now? I mean, is, do you think he's the kind of keeper that's, that's capable of pulling off those kinds of saves game after game, or would we have been three or four nil down? Possibly not game after game. Possibly not. I mean, he, he does have those good games in him, and he has saved us from time to time. People forget that because I always feel with McCarthy, it's it's more um, the, the negative always outweigh it. If he does something, if he does one thing wrong, then the ten good things that he's done is, is, is soon forgotten. Um, and that's the way I, I feel with McCarthy. Um, but yeah, overall, Kevin and, and Tim. Uh, it was a dreadful game. It was. It just put me in a bad mood, and subsequently, I wasn't interested in as much in that Brighton game. I just felt so negative after it. Oh right, I was to say I wasn't that interested in the second half of that game. To be honest. No. <laughs> um, yeah, I just uh, it was just there in the background. Um, if I heard some some shouting from the commentators, I'd take a glance over. But it was a pretty pretty drab thing to watch, to be honest. Yeah, and again, I don't really want to go into it. I want to get into the in, into the other game as well. Right, OK, some stats from this game then, Kev. Uh, 57%, sorry, 56% possession. Just the two shots on target and 11 shots in total. Burnley's 16 shots with six on target. So that's dreadful, mm. isn't it? Just two shots on target. Absolutely appalling. Not good enough. Um, just not enough drive. Just wasn't quick enough. Just everything about the game just stunk. And, I, yeah, I just wanted to forget about it. Uh, man of the match, guys. Uh, Tim, who's man of the match for you? No one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not giving anybody a man of the match at all. Maybe Forcer, just because he did, once again, keep us in a, po- a positive light uh, in terms of anything productive. So I'll go with him, but really, truly, no one. Yeah. Kevin? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the same. Um, yeah, it was a pretty dreadful performance, but I don't think Forster was the, the full guy for it, even if... Um, he was a bit sloppy on that second goal. Uh, you know, he, he pulled off the saves to keep us in with a chance of getting at least something from the game. You know, it's possible to score two um, against Burnley at Turf Moor. Um, but, yeah, so yeah, by default, it's going to be Forster. Uh, yeah, that's a hat-trick. Um, four saves. Again, some of them were, were terrific ones. Um, and at that point before the half, you know, he kept us in the game, as you mentioned, for for as long as we, as we were, really, and, you know, gave us hope, albeit minor and brief, but, yeah, Forster for me. Then into Brighton, coming off that lacklustre Burnley game, of course, and going for four away wins in a row against Brighton, and never have we won four away against the same side in the club history. Um, of course, that stat would stay the same because we didn't. It was 2-2. Two, two. Danny Welbeck opened the scoring uh, in almost laughable fashion. <laughs> uh, just two minutes uh, this time. Uh, Mohamed Salisu gifted another just before the break. And that was probably even more laughable. Um, but, you know, the master struck right on the stroke of halftime with yet another free kick. Um, and it was so crucial looking back at this game, you know. And, the, you know, the timing couldn't have been better. Uh, and then Prowsey with his second to secure us the points. Uh, Tim, changes, they had to come 
obviously, six of them made. Livramento, Salisu, Redmond, Long, Adams and Teller, all in. Um, I think, I mean, personally, I was surprised with Long starting. Uh, I was surprised that Stuart Armstrong and uh, Elianisi weren't. How about you? I think the only person that was a surprise is Long. Uh, Broya, even Adam Armstrong should have been in there more so than Long. Uh, if you were looking for Long for a, a defensive forward who could, you know, cause havoc by uh, his headers and uh, fight up against their their center backs, sure, I, that's fine by me. But number uh, number one, he's not going to be playing for us next season, or the very likelihood is of not being there. I don't I don't think a 35 year old Long should be starting just for the premise that. Uh, going forward, he, he's not going to be a part of the, a major part of the team where he, we need Adam Armstrong, uh, to get a run of play, to get that confidence up because he's going to be a part of us going forward next year. Uh, I think everybody else, Tella getting a good start. Uh, Redmond, if they're, the rumors are true though for him on the way out, it's a little more surprising to me, but not necessarily as I think that Elianusi and Armstrong needed a rest. So everybody, and then going for that, the 4-2-2-2 lineup is necessary. We screwed up with the, uh, the five at the back last time. Complete, uh, utter, just bad, uh, team management from Ralph. So, uh, overall, I think it's just long. That really surprised me. Uh, again, and going off of that, Kevin, uh, yeah, Ralph's comments on the changes. We, we needed fresh legs and some players needed the chance to play and show up. Um, I, I can't help but think that this was aimed at Redmond and Long for next season. Um, well, and Teller um, with the with the fresh legs and um, a chance to show up. Um, that was Teller's chance to shine as well. Um, yeah, yeah, but I mean, I, I don't think that Teller's going to. You know, Teller's going to be here for for next season. But I, oh, I'm sure. just I'm just thinking that maybe you know he's looking at Long and Redmond. They you know they they are fresh legs, and maybe he's thinking about the future for them too too. I mean, longs aren't the freshest, um, of course, but no. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you know how much I love Shane. No, I, I mean, it's great to see him in, in, in the team. Uh, you want to think that he'll, he'll prove that, uh, his worth. I didn't think he was too bad, but I mean, him and Adams are just two similar kind of players, really. And uh, out what, of the two, both shit really can't score. Uh, well, they like like to run around and they they can put a lot of pressure on the opposition defence yeah. and the keeper try and force a mistake that sort of thing, um, try and capitalise a bit. Yeah, they, I think you know um, having Adam Armstrong, who you hope could poach a goal off of you know um, Adam's glancing header or something, you know, or, or, or across from from Perot. Uh, but yeah, it's just the same old same old really, isn't it? Yeah, and I, I, incidentally, kept up Shane Long's. Um, Second start since Boxing Day 2020. So yeah, really. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's featured so much in the match day squads that you you forget that he doesn't. Start. Well, that's Premier League. I mean, he he played in the uh, he's league in the cup, cup didn't he? Yeah. So yeah, but yeah, the second Premier League start since Boxing Day 2020. Interesting. Um, but it didn't take long, did it? Hey, two minutes uh, bundled in, I guess you could say. And Kev, you told me this. You know, their first goal at the Amex in well almost eight hours. Five games without one, and it had to be Danny Welbeck too, didn't it? His sixth goal against us in 14 starts. Yeah, that's the first goal that anyone's seen at the Amex since January, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's mental. It had to be. You knew it was coming. Uh, yeah, and it had to be Danny Welbeck as well. Yeah, just and I was um, slagging him off on the on the on the uh, 
the coach on the way in to the to the Brighton fans as well. But, yeah. You were saying that Long was going to try and beat his fastest goal record. Well, I think we got the, one of the fastest um, conceded away goals this season. Yeah, yeah, oh, dreadful, God. dreadful start. And Tim, how did you see it from your from your point of view? It's just us not solidifying and being out of rhythm within the first couple of minutes. Uh, Against Crystal Palace, which I would have liked to talk about a little bit more, uh, that we had a goal similar to that where Zaha, uh, was able to work around Lianco within the first two or three minutes. We didn't set up and solidify. And to me, I think that is that one of the scariest parts of the game is the first 10 to 15 minutes because if we're not able to establish a backline presence and kind of, and be in rhythm and saw that at the Chelsea game, uh, so the Crystal Palace game, there's mother, many other examples that we, I can think of, just the, uh, Liverpool, um, things like that. But on the good front is when you're looking at Man City, uh, that's when we've established that front. And then from there, it's built the confidence in. So seeing that, a complete flub, uh, awkward touch, uh, bad, bad luck, anything you want to, anything you want to put together with it. Uh, it was just garbage, and I was scared for the rest of the game. But thankfully, Ward-Prowse bailed us out at the end of the first half, and then we settled in for the second half, where Brighton ultimately fell suit to, once again, Ward-Prowse good play, and a lot of other uh, jargon go from there. 2-0, <laughs> and you fucked it up, 2-0. I thought that chance came up. out way too early. I thought we, <laughs> yeah. we were really tempting fate with that one. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, but then Kevin, yeah, we did something that we couldn't do against Burnley. We we started to play a bit of football. Well, <laughs> well, no, we started to play because we almost scored. <laughs> um, Livramento shot that that was that was terrific. Um, deflects onto the post right into the path of Adams, who was inches inches away. And the more and more I see that, the closer it seems to get. It was kind of it's kind of like that Gaza one in, uh, for England in Euro '96 against Germany. <sighs> Just like, yeah. yeah, just the more and more just, you watch it, you just think it's going to get it this time. Just a slightly thicker shin pass, and it, yeah. <laughs> you would have got connection with it. Yeah, just how did that not go in, really? Yeah, I mean, it's a, a terrible shame for Tino, you know, that that, that he hit the post and missed, and then, then oh, that, that terrible injury. Um, kind of, it did slow slow the game down a little bit and give us a little bit of a breather, though. Um, if we are looking for um, the, the, the thinnest of silver linings, so. um, but yeah, I mean, it's a dreadful first half. Um, I think Salisu yeah. probably had his worst forty-five minutes to remember of football um, that I've seen him play. Um, yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't strong enough, was he? In no, and he was things. culpable for both goals as well. Well, certainly the second, yeah. Well, in the first, I mean, when he. Unfortunately, bundled into Forster and just um, yes, left us completely open there. Um, it was a bit of a bit of a mare, and uh, yeah, we sat right in front of it. <laughs> Wasn't looking great, was it? And Brighton, you know, they had their chances. Forster again had to turn up. I just don't think we were quick enough with with the ball, frustratingly, and um, we needed a response. And I honestly, mate, I couldn't see it come in, and I don't think you could either. And then we had the Tino incident. Yeah, yeah. Upon, upon reflection, this was looking like a bad day out, wasn't it? It, it was, yeah. It just takes a little bit of um, Prousey magic and some strong hands from Forster as well. Keep, keep us in and uh, going into the first half. It, not completely devoid of all hope. No. 
But I mean, they they were they were to get worse before they got better still because you know the, the slow tempo of our play married with their pressing, it caused Romeo into a, a rare mistake on the ball and you know another desperate goal mouth scramble and it's just uh, it's just it wasn't looking great and of course you know they did get their their, their second on the 44th minute and we sort of talked about Salisu being at, at the culprit for that um it was a Trossard pass I believe to trying to get it through to Welbeck and. Salisi cuts out the pass, and let's be honest, mate, it was unlucky to end up where it where it did, and, and two, nil, yeah. two, two nil down then. You know. But I mean, looking back at the highlights, is it fair to say that Brighton were lucky because both goals were mistakes by us, mistakes that probably nine times out of ten we would have gone, you know, they would have gone in our favour, possibly. And anyway, here we are, two nil down at the Amex after forty four minutes, Tino injury, might as well have been two own goals. Okay, I'm not saying that we, you know, we should have been winning because we weren't good enough with the ball in the slightest. Yeah. But we weren't the better team. I mean, the pressure they were piling on, um, we just didn't really have an answer to it. No, but would you say that Brighton were lucky? No, I'd say that 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 two nil was probably a fair reflection of the first half. If I'm being brutally honest. Mm, interesting. Why do you not do you disagree? Um, I think putting all that together, yes, I think because of the the manner of the way that Brighton scored their goals. Um, I mean, I've heard Graham Potter say that there's no way that they should have gone in and 2-1 at the half. Um, it's a, you know, he seems to think that they, they, they got more out of that first half than, than the 2-1 suggests. I just think that the way they went about it was was lucky. I think that the own goal was desperately unlucky. The mix-up and defence was caused by us. That was, you know, that was terrible. I mean, we at the post, uh, Shea was unlucky. We had that injury. So I don't know. I, I'm... It's a really difficult one. I mean, I, I could say that we, we would have gone in at halftime at nil-nil. We probably would have been lucky. But having said that, going down 2-1, it feels like we were still unlucky. I, you know, it's, it's a tough one. Yeah. I mean, they had what, how many? They had four shots to our seven. That doesn't sound right, does it? No, exactly. Yeah, it just, there's just, it, it's not all, it wasn't all Brighton, put it that way. But we, we I'm just saying we didn't do enough to... To, to, to you know go into the half level I mean it certainly felt that way do you not do you not do you not think when going into half time that, uh, that Brighton were, were, were doing us really <laughs> well I, I mean I didn't think that we were going to score I couldn't see us getting into the game and I you know I said at the break the only way that we're going to get back into this game now is from another set piece and it was yeah and it was it was that free kick it was um spectacular and I think I remember saying to you when that ball was being placed down, I don't think he's going to get this. This is not not a high percentage one for Prousey. I mean, I guess I thought it was more, it was further out than it actually was. Yeah, it did seem seem a lot further away than looking back at the replays. Yeah, but again, you know, it was just a fantastic free kick, wasn't it? It was like, it, it was a low one. It was, I know, I, I, you know, I know we shouldn't be surprised by him anymore, but from where we were sat, you know, I just thought, yeah. It didn't look yeah, like I mean, a high percentage one, but, you know, just bank my ass and call me Judy. He's done it again. Yeah. I just uh, didn't quite. I mean, I was looking back at the replays in the stadium and I couldn't quite see how he got it like just through the wall. It's uh, really wall. strange. <laughs> <laughs> it was, well, it didn't go off the wall. No, it didn't go off the wall, no. And that's why he's earned that, that MD title. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and uh, he's still a couple behind Beckham, though, isn't he? Oh, uh, yeah, I think three behind now, I think. But, yeah. Oh, God, he's slowly creeping up. I know, yeah. Um, but it, like I said before, it's just an important time for him to get this and made Ralph's team talk all that 
that better and half your problems, I guess, you know, your preparation for the second half it would, was you know, massive. And the second half, it was much better because it seemed to be much quicker. We saw a lot more of the ball, too. I mean, it felt like it, we might actually take all three points at one point. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, the, there was, you know, the roles are pretty much reversed. I mean, we were putting them un, under a lot of pressure. and we were getting um, chance after chance, but we just couldn't quite get it across the line. I think, you know, the the manpower wasn't really particularly right. We're, we're still lacking. I think, with you know, if we had a clinical goal scorer, um, I mean, we, we could have come out, you know, four to five to winners. Yeah, yeah, in that second half especially, yeah, I see. Um, but yeah, Prousey at the double, you know, just heroic again, you know. And that, that you know, that, this guy actually looked far better at the, on the highlights because it was a very, very good hit and it was precision as well. One, one of those goals that Oriol um, Romeo managed to pull off one, once a season, just a, a banger from outside the area. Yeah. Absolute rifle. And yeah, Romeo um, with the assist, little backhill. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah it seems to be getting those spe- spectacular build-ups <laughs> to spectacular goals. Yep. And that was it. You know, the point. The point was rescued. And there was a moment when um, Pascal Gross uh, scored. Um, well, he, he hit the net anyway, but it was ruled off for offside. Uh, have you had a chance to look at that back on on uh, on the highlights? It's it absolutely. I mean, there's there's a feather in it, really. Isn't I, there? I thought it, I thought it was onside. Looking back at it. It looked like it was. I don't. I don't know. It's it's so close. It's harsh. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're talking about thicker lines and all that sort of thing. We, yeah. we dodged a bullet on that one. Yeah. Yeah. We certainly did. Um, Kevin, do you have any any full time stats? So we we had eighteen shots, uh, of which five were on target. Eighteen shots. Didn't feel like it. It didn't feel. I mean, they must have all come in the second half because um, yeah. In that first half, well, I said, yeah, we had uh, seven, was it, in the first mm. half, so 11 in the second half. Mm. But only two of those shots were on target in the second half. Uh, just shows that, you know, with clinical precision. Yeah, no Adam Armstrong to to test him out and see if, I mean, this is the kind of situation you think that uh, he'd be in his element, ideally, but yeah. he wasn't even given the chance. No, no, he wasn't. Um, he made his changes and... Yeah, and Adam Armstrong wasn't one of them. Um, XG, Kev, what do you think the XG oh, yes. was? With while well, we're playing Brighton, I mean the, their their XG is going to be better than ours, surely, isn't it? It's going to be like two point one to our one point six. Theirs was one point four. Really? And ours was zero point nine. <laughs> oh God! That tells the story because. We are the XG busters with the antithesis to Brighton. Yeah. And out, out of our five shots on target, Kev, who had the most? Uh, Shane. Yeah, he did. He had three. Um, and who, yeah. had the, who had the most tackles? Uh, Remain? No, it was Redmond with three. Redmond? Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember him making one. <laughs> but that's... Um... I remember Teller making a few, but... Um... Yeah, Redmond made three. Yeah. Three. And Solis, who picked up in that second half, um, seems, seems a lot more, more solid and had a, a lot better communication with Bednarik. Yeah, I think that the confidence just went, didn't it? As soon as that second goal went in for Saints, they were just, yeah, hounding and, and forcing forcing Brighton into those mistakes. So, yeah, I think, yeah. I think that was it. You've lost your right back and, you know, the, you know, Walker Peters had to switch and then took a bit of time to, for him to get back into the flow of things. But, yeah, that, that, that second half... 
made for made for a decent day out for us. It certainly did, yes. Um, man of the match, Kev. It's, it, Prowse is the only right answer here. I, I think you know, watching back, I can't give it to Shane Long. Oh, you can do. Uh, <laughs> what, what, watching back the highlights, yeah, they they were analysing his play, and it brought me to the question, right? Okay, so dead ball specialist. He's a leader. Iron Man, you know, he plays all, all the minutes under the sun. His work rate, precision passer. He's stronger than he looks. He gets under the skin of opposition. What are his weaknesses? Uh, golf. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's difficult to say, isn't it? Really, after a match like that. Uh, just in general, not even that. It's just that you look at his game on a whole. I think the only weakness I have for you is that he plays for Saints. <laughs> in the sense that he won't ever get, you know, seriously considered for England. Um, well, he's in the mix there, isn't he? He's been. Um... But is he going to start over Jordan Henderson? Say. No, of course he won't. He's getting it, isn't he? I mean, yeah, but no. that doesn't matter. Jordan Henderson is still picking up trophies. And he's a captain of that team that's picking up the trophies. So he will get, you know, it doesn't really matter how well yeah. or how bad. Yeah, Jordan true. Gonna I mean, there's always going to be that bias. But I mean, think yeah. if you can um, overlook that and say that, you know, if, if he is a one club man, if he stays here for the next five years, he's at the peak of his career right now. Um, he'll be an absolute legend at the club. He already um, is, but I mean, there, there, there's all these things flying around about him going is. again. I mean, was it 300 appearances? Yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm tired of all these rumours saying that he's going to be leaving, and you heard the last one that's saying that oh, he's just the sort of player that Arsenal need. He's just the sort of player that we need. Just the sort of player that any team needs, but um, doesn't mean to say that he's going to leave. Um, yeah, he's so just you... signed a new contract. I mean, that's put a price tag on him. I mean, he's so valuable to us. I mean, it would take. Something ridiculous like 200 million quid or something. Man of the match for you? Yeah, Prowse. I mean, I can talk about Shane Long all day, but uh, yeah, it, you'd have to be a complete idiot to give it to anybody else. <laughs> yes. Um, okay, right. Uh, our opponents next week then, back home, uh, Crystal Palace, Saturday the 30th of April at 3 o'clock. Kevin, 2 2 at Salhurst Park back in December. So that scoreline, I mean, we, we just played Burnley and then we had them 2 2, then we got Brighton with the 2 2. And then Palace for the 2-2. We do like our Desmonds, don't we? We do like our Desmonds, yeah. Um, yeah, Zaha gave Palace the lead. Um, Prowse and, and Broya given Saints their lead. Only for RU to grab the leveller. Are we going to see a similar tale this time? Another Prowse free kick. <laughs> no, I just mean another draw. Changes. I can tell you well, one. Liver, Livermento's not going to be there. Yeah, um, that's that, that question sorted for the foreseeable future, isn't it? Um, uh, with... Perot and Walker Peters as the fullbacks. Unless he wants um, Valerie. Uh, no, 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 please don't. Um, <laughs> and I, I'd stick with that back for. It's up to him what he sees in training with the with the wingers. Yeah, um, I was going to say, what do you think about yeah. like like Redmond's uh, Stew, Elianusi, Teller? It's a tough one, isn't it? I thought mm. they 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 all had decent performances, but uh, uh, yeah, I'd be interested to see who he does pick I'm not going to make any predictions but um, I don't think we'll see something long starting I, I don't think so either you, Adam Armstrong I think he's going to have to he's, mm. because you know, he stays there for a reason I, I, I think he's going to go Breyer and Adams really yeah okay speed and strength yeah I mean that could work yeah I, I just think we, we, we need to find a way to stop like well Connor Gallagher he's been He's been great this season, hasn't he? And you, you, you always have to be wary of um, 
Wilf Zaha. Um, but they, they play tonight, Crystal Palace, so it'll be interesting to see how they go. They've got, they got uh, Leeds at, at Sellers Park tonight. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens in that one. I'll probably follow that if I can. Um, but, yeah, Kev, uh, I'll go with you first then. A prediction from you. Yeah, I mean, they're coming off the back of a few losses, and they say that, that Leeds game tonight will be a real bellwether of um, where they're he- heading towards the end of the season. Um, they were a bit of a surprise package, I think. Um, Patrick Vieira seems to have... Um, Got them into quite quite decent form, but uh, they're just doing a Saints and uh, trading off towards the end of the season. So um, I, I think we're going to see another draw. Um, I'm going to repeat my prediction from the last match and say it's going to be a one-all draw. Oh, I've got exactly the same. They're all going to stick with it, I think, because uh, yeah, I just think it's the most likely. Uh, and Tim also is going for a one-one draw. Yeah, I think you know, um, I, I'd I'd love it to be the Prasi versus Saha show because at least that will give us a little bit of a, an enjoyable side show. Hi, I'm Matt Letizier. Thank you for listening to In That Number. OK, then, uh, into extra time, then. We'll go with uh, the predictions. Um, after the Burnley game, we all went Saints wins, except for Tim. who went, He actually went for a 1-0 Burnley win, so he didn't score max points, but he gets the two. So that left the scores 30 to Alex, 34 to Tim, 39 to me, and 47 to you. But after Brighton, then, uh, me and you, Kevin, went for a draw. Tim and Alex went for Saints win, so that gap remains as it did before. Um, Alex on 30, Tim on 34, 41 for me and 49 for you. I've got that 41. Uh, I've yeah. got that magic number. Yeah, well, looks like we're going to stay up the, for this next season then. Yes. Uh, and the Discord then after the Brighton games, so the both games into account, uh, there was one big mover. Scott actually went for a 2-2 draw at Brighton. So max points for Scott. Well done. Uh, moves him up to second on 22 points. Uh, three points behind our leader, Alex, on 25. Yeah, Scott. Yeah, good stuff. Um, Super six then. Uh, two rounds to go through. Round 53 was won by Tom Hennigan uh, with 12 points. And round 54 was Colin Carter with 14. Um, Tom Hennigan still keeps his lead uh, overall on 432 um, fantasy football, Kev. How did you do this week? I've still got uh, four players to to play another match. So mm, um, I've got one. Uh, I've got Wes Anderson and Golo Kante, Jack Harrison and David De Gea. They've all got an extra match. So uh, yeah, I captain Salah over Ward Prowse, which is uh, a bit unfortunate, but uh, 53 points. That's, that's very good, actually. That's very good. So I've, I've got two players to play an extra match, but um, it is Man United against Chelsea, so I'm not thinking much there. Um, and I'm on 34 points. Um, so, yeah. But I will say I didn't do my team again. So I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm doing a Saints. I'm slipping at this stage of the season, I think. Well, let's look and see how you are doing in our podcast as the... Um, yeah, I don't know where I am still, but uh, your your eighth... Uh, you've uh, slipped behind John Bailey. Yeah, terrible. Um, yeah, it won't. It won't even tell me what my overall point score is. So, uh, yeah, Oliver bites his top as usual. And in the other league, David Phillips, Amil Hussein, and Bobby Brown at the top. Good stuff, guys. Well done. Um, okay, I think that is about it for this week. Um, but a reminder before we go: uh, if you appreciate what we do uh, and you feel you'd like to buy us a pint then please head to buymeacoffee.com forward slash in that number. Um, 
and you can also become a member as well. So that that'll be cool. Um, and next week we shall be chatting over the game against Crystal Palace and we'll preview our first ever trip to the Brentford Community Stadium. Uh, so from me and Kevin and Tim, up the Saints. Up the Saints. Up the Saints. Up the Southampton. Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.